I'm Daniel Libet. This is the NM Fishbowl Podcast. It's Wednesday, December 26, 2018. If you celebrated, I hope you got what you wanted for Christmas. Maybe something decadent like an overseas golfing vacation paid for by New Mexico taxpayers. And if you weren't so lucky, as a consolation, you can live vicariously through today's podcast. For all the recent scandals involving the University of New Mexico's athletic department, nothing has captured the zeitgeist quite like the 2015 Scotland Booster Golf Trip arranged by former New Mexico athletic director Paul Krebs. Although, by real dollar figures, it was a comparatively modest waste of taxpayer funds, the grifting nature of it and the unyielding covering up of it have not only kept Scotland in the headlines, but have turned it into the subject of an aggressive criminal investigation by the New Mexico Attorney General. The reporter who originally broke the story is a familiar face with a familiar mustache in the land of enchantment. Larry Barker has been digging into public corruption for decades. He's been an investigative reporter at KRQE-TV since 2004 and has been honored with dozens of regional and statewide broadcast journalism awards. But as he tells me in the latest and final regular episode of the NM Fishbowl podcast, his reporting has not historically involved the Lobos. That certainly changed over the last year and a half as Larry has broken stories not only about the Scotland trip, but about hundreds of thousands of dollars of pit suite and club seat revenue that went uncollected over years. He's also reported about Krebs's use of the university's credit card to pay for him and his family to go to the Final Four tournament. Larry and I spoke for about an hour last Friday. In our conversation, we dive deeply back into the genesis of the Scotland scandal, how it came to be, and how it has, over the last 18 months, spiraled into the obsession of law enforcement. With indications that the AG is beginning to wrap up at least the Krebs-related component of its Lobo investigation, and as one should anticipate a flurry of legal activity at the start of the new year, I could think of no better guest to help me put a cherry-colored bow on this package of Lobo turpitude for 2018. I will speak more about the winding down of the Fishbowl podcast and what lies ahead at the end of the episode, but for now, and without further ado... I give you Larry Barker. All right, Larry Barker, welcome to the NM Fishbowl podcast. Thanks so much, Daniel. So I was... Um, contemplating ahead of our conversation where I was when uh, when news first came to me about the story you were about to break last summer, last spring summer, I should say, um, about the infamous now Scotland trip that former athletic director Paul Krebs organized at the University of New Mexico. I was actually, though I don't live in Albuquerque, I was actually in Albuquerque doing some reporting at the time. And I was in the parking lot after having met with a source, and I had gotten an email forwarded to me from another source who was on the Lobo Club Board of Directors, who sent to me the letter that then Lobo Club Executive Director Cole McCamey and Krebs had jointly sent out to the board 
kind of trying to get ahead of the story that you were about to break a few days later. Um, and it dawned on me that I had been hearing little murmurs either through anonymous tips or from a couple of my sources about this trip for almost a year and it just never struck a chord with me. I never entirely understood the deal with it um, and never really did anything with it. Um, and so you broke a story last May, you reported it last May, um, about Krebs, McCamey, and Lobo coach Craig Neal going on this booster trip to Scotland and uh, UNM having spent public dollars in order to send them. Can you tell me, uh, because the incident in question happened two years before that, happened in the summer of 2015, can you tell me how long you knew about this or were hearing things about this trip prior to you having reported on this on uh, May 2nd of 2017? Right. Well, you know, first, let me just say, um, I, I, I've been doing this uh, uh, investigative reporting in Albuquerque here for 40-plus uh, years. Throughout my career, I have done very, very few stories on uh, the UNM athletic department. Um, it just has not been on my radar. There just has not – I'm not – I'm interested in sports. I'm, I'm a supporter of the uh, uh, the um, UNM uh, sports program, uh, but in terms of investigations, it has not been on my radar. And then, sometime in the spring, early spring of 2017, last year, I I, I got some calls from some folks I know and. It was something about uh, the athletic department spending public money to go on a golfing holiday in Scotland, and that it, that they used public money for a, a golfing vacation. And uh, you know, I, well, I gosh, I, heck, I, I had not heard that before. I didn't know a thing about it, but I said, okay, well, I'll check it out. I mean, it sounds. It sounds kind of interesting. It, it sounded, honestly, it sounded far-fetched to me. Uh, why would UNM spend public money uh, to go on a golfing holiday to Scotland? Well, uh, we checked it out. First thing we did was uh, we filed a, a, a public records request with the uh, UNM's athletic department uh, asking for all records uh relating to any um, uh, uh, golf trip uh, overseas, uh, including but not limited to Scotland, because that's what I had heard. Now, at this point, when I filed this request, I did not know what the facts were. All I had was a conversation with somebody who said that they had heard that this had happened. So let's get the facts. That's what we do. Um, so we filed the request, and this was uh, somewhere around in uh, about March of last year, approximately. And uh, a couple weeks later, I got the records. And I got to tell you, it blew me away. Now, uh, everybody's heard about, about the infamous uh, golf trip to Scotland, 
but let's kind of review exactly what this was. This was a, uh, it was a, uh, a trip that was sponsored by the UNM's athletic department um, and was touted as an extraordinary week of golf and friendship um, where you can fly to Scotland, hobnob with the Lobos, in this case, uh, Craig Neal, basketball coach at the time, and Paul Krebs, athletic director, You'd stay at five-star hotels, and you play golf on the most iconic courses in the world. Now, the price tag per person was to be $8,000, Now, uh, plus airfare. So the $8,000 was just for the golf, the hotels, and the meals. Uh, the... Uh, Airfare was extra. So uh, it was put together by a, an Indiana uh, travel agency. And uh, the uh, it, it was, a, as you can tell, it was a very expensive trip. Uh, the athletic department guaranteed a minimum number of, um, of, of uh, places for the uh, – for participants and then they tried to fill these these uh, vacancies ultimately there were 23 individuals who went on this trip paying the 8,000 at the time that we did this story the um, we knew that the university had paid for Paul Krebs they paid for Craig Neal and they paid for Cole McCamey now uh, the trip took place in 2015, and you raised the point. Why did it take two years to figure out that uh, UNM had paid uh, some, uh, at this point, $40,000 uh, for um, uh, individuals to go on this, uh, this expensive uh, golfing vacation? Well, I think one of the clues as to why it took two years to uncover this 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 scam, if you want to call it that, was the um, when we got the records, we looked at, at the credit card logs for the athletic department around the time of the Scotland trip, and what was interesting there is the. Scotland trip was disguised in the records. The $8,000 expenditure for the golf trip was actually put down on the credit card log as men's basketball tournament in Ireland. And, uh, you know, you look at that and you, and you think, well, okay, that sounds legitimate, but actually it was the expenditure for the golf trip. Now, uh, when I looked at that, I mean, it was very clear that this was a, uh, it was a, at the very least a discrepancy. Um, was it uh, an intentional cover-up? You know, I don't know. Did somebody intentionally do that? When we asked uh, Paul Krebs about it in an interview, um, he said uh, he said it was simply a mistake. He said it was a mistake that wasn't caught. Um, 
he says uh, he admits that the trip was mischaracterized in the records. Um, he wasn't sure how it happened, but um, he just sent simply said it was a clerical mistake one of the one uh, of the things just to jump in real quickly because this is the value mm -hmm. of being able to do a televised interview as opposed to being in the medium like i am where it's print and all i would have potentially gotten if i had gone to krebs would be a statement is that because i i re-watched this just the other day in uh in anticipation of talking with you i re-watched the uh the piece you had done and you know, it's 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 left for uh for up it's up for interpretation, but you can just see while you press Krebs on the question about why was this written, you know, as a as a uh, basketball tournament in Ireland, you just see this pained face and this kind of like the contortions of him as he's trying to sort of get through the question. So again, you know, that's not this dispositive of of him line or of, of a cover-up or anything like that but there there is there is that extra thing you get in in your medium of of television of, of when you when you're actually given an inter interview with a subject such as this and you can then try to see them come up with a response regardless of what the actual words are they said sure and you know when 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 we first saw the reference in the records in the credit card records um the justification for the expenditure, I mean, it, it, it kind of blew me away. It, I, I mean, are you kidding me? Men's basketball trip to, to Ireland? Um, uh, again, where, where did that come from? He says it was just a clerical mistake. Um, I don't know how that kind of clerical mistake happens. <laughs> That is that's it's, pretty, it's the that's wrong it's the wrong it's the wrong country and and to the to that point one one of the reasons because you know I've, I've been thinking about this given just over the last two years given the stories that you alone have broken as it relates to the pit suites and uncollected revenue the amount of money we're talking about as it relates to Scotland is fairly small but this story has captured the zeitgeist and the attention of both law enforcement and the fans like nothing else that's been reported in a in a period of time of just scandal after scandal with the athletics department and i kind of wanted to get your reflections on why you think that is i mean there's obviously a, a salaciousness to this there's a self-dealing aspect the grifter aspect to this um there's an elitism aspect to this that you know we're talking about a golf trip to a expensive um an expensive resort in expensive places in scotland but, you know, I mean, just this past week, UNM bought out the contract of a, of a uh, deputy athletic director for $175,000. That's, what, three times what UNM purportedly spent inappropriately on this golf trip? So, I mean, it, it's not, it, it's, the story really doesn't come down to the dollar amount. It comes down to, I think, one of two things. One, just the narrative details and, and sort of the, the, the grabbiness of them. Um, and then it's too, it's just the way that UNM could never really fully expurgate the truth on this. So you, that first story that you wrote, or, or you, that you, uh, you, you, you reported on May 2nd, was followed up three weeks later with an additional dripping of, of revelations that it wasn't just Krebs, McCamey, and Neal that UNM comped with public money, but that it was also three donors 
three private individuals who UNM was hoping to get athletic contributions from, they also got comped on this trip. And all of a sudden, this went from just a story about UNM possibly misallocating their own money towards their staff to potential criminal violations, violations of the state's anti-donation clause, and all of that. And from that point on, even forward, it's just drip, 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 more things coming out. Um, can you tell me about the, the kind of two or three week period between when in early May of last year, you broke that initial story, and then you going back and sitting down with then UNM interim president Chawi Abdallah, perhaps you sat down with Krebs again to get the, the fuller picture, the fuller problem about how these uh, Lobo boosters were also given complimentary trips. Sure. And, and I will tell you, on the first, the first uh, UNM story that we did on the Scotland trip, it, it took us about two months to nail down the facts. At that point, uh, all we knew was that uh, UNM had shelled out money for uh, uh, Paul Krebs, Craig Neal, and Cole McCamey. That's what we knew. We had uh, the, the, uh, our viewer reaction to that story was really off the charts. There was a lot of interest in that first story. Uh, we got lots and lots of calls. Uh, our, uh, the KRQE uh, website was uh, just inundated with, um, with uh, people looking at that story. It, it, it hit a responsive chord, I think, with our viewers. And it was really the first in-depth investigative look at how the athletic department spends public money. Uh, so we did that story and we kind of moved on to other things. It was an interesting story. It was, it was, a, it was a great story. Um, and then about three weeks later, I, I got a call from uh, the acting uh, UNM president, uh, Abdallah, and, and he, he called to say, you know, there's... Um, been a development in the Scotland uh, golf trip uh, story, and I I uh, need to um, I need to level with you. So it was a call from the acting president that that triggered the second story, and uh, President Abdallah said that uh, Paul Krebs came to see him, and. Uh, he, uh, uh, President Abdallah said uh, that uh, Paul Krebs said he, he uh, had forgotten to tell him something and that the uh, acting president was not very happy with this. And that's when uh, uh, Paul Krebs dropped this bombshell that it wasn't just Neil Krebs and McCamey, who the UNM uh, paid for, but uh, there were also uh, several uh, local businessmen, uh, donors to the uh, athletic program, who uh, also went on that trip and the university paid their way. The total, uh, public shelled out about $64,000 uh, in public funds to send uh, individuals on a golfing holiday to Scotland. 
in the scheme of things, $64,000 is a drop in the bucket. But this story has legs, and um, look at where we are today with the Attorney General's uh, criminal investigation. Um, uh, A year and a half later, uh, uh, the taps have opened, and there have been um, uh, other investigations in the athletic department. There have been um, other... uh, 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 bombshells have been dropped, uh, but the, the, the Scotland golf trip, I think, was was the beginning. Well, and it, uh, and it really just sort of part of the reason why is it, it it opens up a window on a whole bunch of things. Part of part of the things were other developments related to Scotland, but then it also began to show the kind of behind the scene gear work of how money can be misappropriated rather easily in an athletic department. I mean, money can be misappropriated rather easily in any kind of public institution, but there's something about the unique nature of the athletic department and the way money moves in and moves out of it that makes it sort of ripe for this this stuff. And, um, you know, I, I haven't, I've referenced Scotland in a bunch of stories. I've done very little direct reporting on Scotland. I, that was primarily you and then uh, kind of coming up behind you was the journal um, Absolutely. on those stories. Yeah. I so, but this what this is what has been the kind of Rosetta Stone in this recent era of of Lobo Athletic Department scandal. One of the things that I've been hearing though um, from people is you know exactly why this trip even got made in the first place and why it seemed so important for certain individuals, let's say namely Paul Krebs. To continually to try to dig in and justify it or provide cover for it, because at the end of the day, it you know you, one could argue this was just a stupid trip that shouldn't have been made. Like a lot of dumb you know money decisions have been made in that that athletic department, and it could have just been um, apologized for and moved on from long before it ever even reached the point of scandal. So here's what I've heard. I don't know if it, this jives with with what you've been told or, or you've reported, but uh, you know I heard that this originally began a conversation. You mentioned the Indiana um, Travel Agency. That's their, their name is Anthony Travel. Their UNM's Travel. Right. Their UNM's Travel Agency, like they are for a number of other athletic departments around the country. Um, in fact, the, uh, the they a st- at least one staffer, and I think in the past two two. Anthony Travel staffers have actually officed out of the physical athletic department. Um, that this trip was originally being discussed back in 2013 when Steve Alford was the coach. Uh, the, the contract ultimately was signed with Anthony Travel in 2014. By that point, Alford had left to UCLA and Craig Neal was there. And Alford was supposed to be a bigger draw. He, I mean, he was a bigger name. Um, the idea that you'd be able to get people to go on a golfing trip with Steve Alford was, you know, much more um, exciting of a, of a prospect than, let's say, Craig Neal. And there was other plans. I mean, I'd heard that Brian Urlacher was expected to be going there. I, I had seen somebody once provided me a list um, of a sort of a wish list of who uh, UNM was also hoping to have come along. And Governor Martinez's name was on that wish list. Um, but as right. the trip, I, I, I did see Urlacher's name on I, on, on the wish list, and, and I, I believe that somebody had touched base with him, uh, and he may have expressed some interest early on, uh, 
but ultimately he did drop out. That's right. And then the other thing I had heard was that the Branch family, who up until recently has been the naming rights holders of the uh, of the football field, um, the Branch law firm family, that they had indicated that they were good for a number of these slots on the trip. So when this originally was proposed, there was a lot more interest or seeming interest than what there turned out to be. And then uh, Alfred was no longer there by the time this actually got resolved. Erlacher dropped out. Martinez never you know, signed up for it. I think the, the branches didn't want as many slots as they ultimately might have initially wanted. And there was just a bunch of holes. And rather, but the problem was is that they had signed this package with um, with uh, Anthony Travel, and they were they were UNM was on the hook. Paul Krebs was on the hook. And so what happened from that point on was just this continual kind of ass covering effort to sort of justify this trip under a broader perspective of the athletics department being in kind of financial problems by that point. And so, yeah, you know, the amount of effort and the ultimately the amount of risk and money that was spent to basically throw after the initial bad money that was spent to procure the trip is, you know, it, it was it was sort of Nixonian at the end of the day. Um, I think I think that's part of why this is this is such an interesting story is you can if you really want to break it apart it, it's more than just the 60 some thousand dollars it really just shows you all, how kind of bad incentives um, feed other bad incentives and and all of a sudden again you're, we're talking about um, a, a stupid trip that cost you know like you said a relative drop in the bucket and now Paul Krebs is is under is in serious you know criminal jeopardy because of it. it it's kind of mind-boggling in a way. It, it, it is, and you know, uh, you talked about a the idea for the trip, and they were going to get uh, Erlacher and and uh, uh, you know maybe the governor and other uh, celebrities to to go on this trip. They they didn't go. Um, uh, Ultimately, uh, the uh, the trip really was was it may have been a good idea, but in practice it was it was a bust. In fact, uh, that was part of the issue here is they didn't get enough people signed up for the trip, and the university had to pay a thirty nine thousand dollar penalty to the uh, to the travel agency because they didn't get enough participants. And that also was public money. Uh, so really, taxpayers are, are being uh, had to subsidize uh, really a, a bad idea. Uh, they, they couldn't get enough people. And that was that was one reason uh, why the athletic department thought it was OK to invite some donors, because they had these empty slots uh, that they they paid for anyway. So rather than just have uh, uh, empty hotel rooms, uh, they just invited uh, select members of the booster club uh, to come along. And, and ultimately, that's what got them in, in, uh, in, in hot water. At the, was, at the end of your... It was a terrible idea. Yeah. It was a terrible idea. At the end of, of, the, of the second story you did, so this was the story you did in late May of last year that, in which uh, Abdallah then told, you know, went on camera and, 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 and sort of unfurled the news about the three boosters who had been paid for. 
Um, I, if I'm recalling this correctly, he made some sort of comment to you, some telling quote about how, you know, it was his expectation that, you know, you wouldn't have any reason after that to uh, talk to him again about the Scotland, basically saying that should be that should be all of it. And at the end of the story, I think this probably came from either him or from Krebs, um, that they had informed you that a twenty that a anonymous donor had given uh, twenty five thousand dollars to the university to cover the amount of money that had been used to comp those boosters, and therefore that was in potential violation of the anti donation clause. And that was sort of the that was the coda of that story. Was this twenty five thousand dollar donation by an anonymous donor. Now, of course, we learn a year plus later and after a attorney, the attorney general investigation um, heats up that that $25,000 anonymous donor was, in fact, Paul Krebs and that Krebs had undergone a whole bunch of moves, including, it appears, enlisting the assistance of his wife, who is a uh, is a academic at UNM. Um, to hide that fact, to hide the fact that that money came from him. And now that, and you know, so all of his machinations of concealing that fact um, are themselves now part of this AG criminal investigation. But it was just, I mean, it was incredible that in that very piece, which was, as you said, I mean, I, w I wasn't aware that that had come, that you had basically been uh, tipped to that by Abdallah. And that this was UNM's effort to sort of fully come clean. At the end of that effort, there's still this big deception, at least, about this twenty-five thousand dollar donation and 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 the uh, and the source of it or or the or the reason behind it. Yeah, you know, uh, I, when we did that story, we kind of thought, okay, this is this is the, this is it. This is the end of the story. They finally have come clean. There was a, they had misspent $25,000, but an anonymous person has now uh, reimbursed the university. End of story. As a matter of fact, um, uh, I concluded the interview I did with uh, President Abdallah in the second story. Um, uh, you know, and he, he said you know, that they do internal audits, and sometimes they find mistakes and sometimes they miss it. Um, uh, but I said, you know, as, as mistakes go, this one was, was a big one. He says, yes, it was. And um, I said, you know, is this our last interview on golf trips to Scotland? And his response was, I certainly hope so. Who would have thought that a year and a half later that that $25,000 check would be um, – at the heart of a uh, major criminal investigation uh, aimed at the athletic department. Who would have thought? And, and part of this is because of the way in which, you know, there's prosecutorial discretion and there's politics and there's optics. And what this story did, you know, to, to the point we, we've both been making is that this story grabbed people in a way that a lot of other, you know, um, craziness in the athletic department has not. And because of that, uh, as, as is not uncommon, um, the, you know, the state law enforcement 
uh, tends to follow where there's public attention. And the public attention was on the Scotland trip. And Attorney General Hector Balderas kind of very um, aggressively and publicly vowed to get to the root of this and some other stuff going on in the athletic department as well. Um, much of that also tying into things that Paul Krebs may or may not have done. Um, and so I must tell you, I mean, I am surprised. I'm surprised that it's reached this level. And if you had told me a year and a half ago that we would be where we're at, which is, you know, come the beginning of 2019, there's been multiple criminal warrants asking for Paul Krebs' credit cards, for his email and telephone records, and a real sense that at this point the AG is all in it to try to bring charges against him if they can find them, um, I would have been shocked. I would have said that that's crazy. Um, but that's sometimes, and, I, and I, I can only imagine how surprised Paul Krebs is. Maybe I'm not. Maybe some of what this, some of what his activity since, let's say, last May has been, um, has been in anticipation of something like this coming down the pike. But um, I don't know how you feel. I, I, I'm, I'm just floored that it's, that it's reached this level. I mean, you know, it, clearly in the, in the scheme of criminality and financial criminality going on in the state of New Mexico, um, you know, the, Paul Krebs using money or, or misappropriating this kind of money for boosters is not, is not the worst of it, one would imagine. But this does seem to have gotten, this seems to have gotten Hector Balderas' attention in a, in a major way. You, you bet. You know, when I when I did the Scotland golf trip investigation, uh, I had a conversation with uh, with a uh, with a source who is uh, uh, widely uh, has has uh, uh, an insider. We'll call this person an insider uh, with a lot of knowledge about what's going on at the athletic department. And at that time. This person told me, you know, the Scotland golf trip is really just the tip of the iceberg. And at that time, I didn't know what they meant. But, you, you know, the AG's investigation, I've read the search warrants. I think there have been three or four so far. Uh, the, um, you know, the focus is on the Scotland golf trip, but that is uh, not the only financial matter that is under investigation um there are uh there are a number of improprieties that have been alleged at the athletic department and the ag's investigation uh if you read the search warrants if you read carefully uh it uh, it 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 extends well beyond uh scotland no, and you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and some of this... Other issues. Here. Right. And some, so let's talk about one of the other ones which you've obviously had a hand in, in reporting, and that is the, uh, the suites, the pit suites. Because there, there seems to be a commonality in the genesis of both the story about the unclaimed uh, receipts for pit suite revenues and the Scotland story, which is, you know, where the, where the story, you know... There's the story itself, and then there's what hasn't, you know, what, what hasn't been reported or what isn't often mentioned, which is the antecedents to these stories. In the case of the Pitt Suites, the story begins for me in, in 2010. 
The story begins with the reconstruction and the renovation of the pit, the, as we all now know, the figure $60 million renovation of the pit, which UNM athletic officials, including, and at that time, prominently, Paul Krebs, said were going to be paid for in good measure by the uh, selling, the leasing of these pit suites. The idea was that, you know, there was this big um, outstanding bond that was floated to pay for a large chunk of the renovations and, and UNM officials to justify that taxpayer burden said, oh, you know, we'll we'll pay back this bond over, you know, however many years because we're going to sell out these luxury suites and these club seats. And it was a fantasy at the time. Um, it's proven to even be more of a fantasy now. Um, but that's where it begins. It begins with a bad a bad justification, a bad um, rationalization of a financial decision. And then what we see, just like with Scotland in a microcosm, much more in terms of uh, dollar figures for the pit suite, is what then the university, or more, more precisely, university administrators do in order to try to either keep kicking the can down the curb um, or to justify uh, some sort of bad public claim made before. And so in the case of the pit suites, it's like, yeah, people aren't paying the amount of money in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico for those pit suites to regularly sell them out each year, especially when the basketball team has not done particularly well in, in a number of these years since 2010. Um, and if that was your only way of paying down the, the, uh, the bond, um, then you're screwed, basically. And UNM is screwed. And so, again, you know, we, we talk about UNM as a board oftentimes. UNM made this decision. UNM made that decision. These are decisions being made by individual human beings in charge. And, you know, and, and in many cases, you know, as, as he's gotten a rather tarred and feathered over the last couple of years, you know, these were decisions that were being either made by Paul Krebs or in concert with Paul Krebs. So let's go then to what we discovered, what you initially discovered uh, in your reporting about um, how UNM was failing to collect the money it said it was earning off these pit suites. Sure. And, and uh, this is a story that we aired in July of last year. And uh, once again, I, I had somebody come to me and said to say that the um, that the UNM, that UNM athletic department was not collecting uh, for um, uh, the the rental fees for a number of the skyboxes. Uh, now, uh, just uh, just to remind folks, um, uh, the there are uh, in the part of the renovation included forty luxury skyboxes, um, which. Uh, uh, folks could uh, rent out for as much as $45,000 a year, uh, which would cover the basketball season, $45,000. That's the maximum. Uh, it's, a, it's a private suite um, uh, overlooking the basketball court, uh, and uh, it, um, they're very nice. Uh, food and beverage is not included, uh, but the rental fees uh, are, are helping to pay for the renovation. Uh, what we found was that there was about four hundred and thirty thousand dollars 
in uh, rental fees that had gone uncollected by the athletic department. Now, uh, you, you got to remember this forty four hundred thirty thousand dollars. It's public money. It's it's this is not we're not talking private money here. So when the uh, university fails to collect on the nearly half million dollars, uh, and it, it could be more than that, but we don't know. We were able to document four hundred thirty thousand um, uh, dollars. What we found was that since two thousand and ten, there were uh, forty two private suite deck debts that had been ignored by UNM, failed to collect. Um, uh, the largest single debt was eighty thousand dollars, which was owed by a um, by a booster. Now it was unclear to us, we could never actually document whether this was a result of sloppy bookkeeping or whether it was an act, whether it was an intentional failure to collect on this money. We don't know because the record keeping was so sloppy. First off, the record keeping was done by the Lobo Club. Uh, and the relationship between the athletic department and the Lobo Club and the foundation, the uh, UNM uh, foundation, is, is so murky. Um, we were unable to uh, really get to the bottom of why these debts were uncollected and whether they are actually even owed. Uh, again, some of this, some of the individuals who records showed owed uh, tremendous tens of thousands of dollars to the university. Um, some folks said, well, you know, they never billed us. Or some of them said, I don't owe that money. Uh, we were paid in full. We paid the money. Um, and uh, uh, as we tried to investigate this, um, the university said, you need to go to the Lobo Club because they keep the records. Uh, everything we do, our investigation is based on the facts. The facts there in this case relating to the skyboxes was at the Lobo Club. We, they were uh, completely non-responsive. They were not cooperative. They were not transparent, and uh, would not uh, share their records um, relating to these transactions which were the uh, collection of debts owed to the university. Uh, the Lobo Club uh, is a, a private, uh, nonprofit organization. Uh, it is not part of the university. It is not a public institution. And they said that their records were not public records. Let me jump in because uh, obviously that, that's yes. the kind of stuff that gets the hair standing up on probably the backs of both of our necks. The, the, the Lobo Club is a purportedly separate, purportedly private, purportedly distinct entity. But as you and I both know, and I, I wrote about this kind of at length uh, within the last month and a half, um, th right. all, all of those purportedly's are in grave doubt um, and dubious because the Lobo Club doesn't have its own staff. It's staffed by employees of either the foundation or, notably, the university itself. Um, it offices out of the athletic department. 
Um, and it has these sorts of responsibilities of collecting money that, as you just mentioned, is public money. The money that's supposed to go in revenue for um, seats in, the, in a public arena for the University of New Mexico men's basketball team is public money. But the way that they have it collected is through the Lobo Club. And there is an element, I think, that really is just mass confusion on trying to keep all of these balls in the air, you know, from UNM's perspective. What is the designation or the, or the responsibilities of the Lobo Club? What is the responsibilities of the UNM Foundation? And what is the responsibilities of the university itself? On the other hand, it seems in practice and, and probably by intent that some of this murkiness is, is by design. That, you know, precisely because of the sort of walls that you've run into or you initially ran into in this story where, you know, the university says, we don't have those records. Those records are being kept at the Lobo Club and the Lobo Club then, then either can blow you off or says that they don't have to provide you those records by the state's public disclosure laws. And it becomes a kind of of racket in term a records racket you know where where all of these things come all of this is about UNM at the end of the day the Lobo Club and the UNM Foundation exist solely for the University of New Mexico's benefit um, and yet they you know they're able to sort of offshore a lot of these a lot of these business issues a lot of these arrangements or deals or revenue sources um, by pretending in a way by my lights that oh the, these are the, this has nothing principally or at least um, initially to do with UNM and therefore this is not public business that needs to be disclosed. Right, um, it's it, it, it's it's such a murky relationship. I, I'm not sure anybody uh, outside of the university athletic department actually even understands the relationship between the Lobo Club, the foundation, and the athletic department. It's. It is, it is complicated, it is really murky. Now, uh, as it relates to the skyboxes, um, uh, the uh, Lobo Club was not cooperative in terms of records, but ultimately, uh, uh, by the time that we did the story in uh, July of last year, we were able to get uh, uh, a, uh, a, a document that, that gave a clear rundown as to the the debts that were owed to the university, uh, you know who owed them, how much they owed, and what efforts were made. Without without being them. without prying into uh, your sources and methods, is there anything you could describe about how you got that document? Was it from a source or a leak, or or were you able to sort of find a public records avenue into that information? Well, we 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 uh, we did a public records request to the university for those records. The response was, we don't have the records. Those records are kept by the Lobo Club. We sent the Lobo Club a uh, records request for the documents. They said, we're not a public institution. We don't have to give you those records. We're private. Uh, you don't have a right to those, those records. Um, I went back to the university. Um, uh, I went over the heads of the athletic department. I did go to the administration. And, and I, honestly, I raised hell with them. I said, we are talking about uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in public money that is unaccounted for. And uh, we need to see how this money um, 
uh, is being collected, who owes what. Uh, it is it is not private money; it is public money. Ultimately, the university uh, in 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 pressing the uh, the university uh, uh, administration, and I, I will give some credit here to the uh, then acting president who was very helpful in terms of getting us the records. Uh, ultimately, we did get the list of um, of uh, debt owers um, uh, from the uh, university administration. They gave us the records, but it was but but we had to raise hell with them. It was not easy. It was like pulling teeth, and they did not uh, willingly give us the records. But uh, uh, you know, we didn't have to go a lawsuit. Uh, we they they did ultimately give us the records. right and and, and then I guess it, in so it doing took a long time to get it right and I guess in so doing prove the fact that they do have access to these records um, <laughs> by by the fact that they were able to then ultimately get them to you. That, that, that's right, and I, I I you know I don't know if originally they actually did have that list. I don't know. Uh, the, the response was it's at the Lobo Club, and. Um, I will, I will give them the benefit of the doubt that they didn't have it, but they did ultimately, if they didn't have it, they did get it uh, from the local club, and they, they did give it to us. So uh, so here not we Not willingly, but they did. Right, right. So maybe to kind of wrap up, because we're about, you know, from all of what I've heard, we're about to be hitting a flurry of activity, uh, at least in the law enforcement investigations, or, or actions related to this um, soon. I mean, I've been told by sources to expect things coming, you know, at the, at, at the beginning of 2019. Um, we haven't discussed this, but also out there is a, uh, is a criminal case being made against former Lobo Basketball Operations Director Cody Hopkins, um, which is supposed to right. take place or be, uh, go to trial sometime in 2019 as well, if it if it ultimately does go to trial. Um, can, can you just maybe help me and our, and our listeners now um, by taking stock in what, what we have to look forward to? Um, you know, what, what should people be anticipating or what are the kind of bigger questions people need to be asking when we see whatever is the next filing, let's say from the Attorney General's office in, in the Krebs matter? Well, the, you know, the, the, the AG has been uh, um, particularly aggressive uh, as it relates to this investigation of the athletic department. It is, um, uh, there are clues to what the AG is looking at. If you look at the search warrants, which have been filed in district court here in Albuquerque, I believe there have been four search warrants. They have, uh, 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 Clearly, uh, there are uh, um, questions the AG has about the activities of Paul Krebs, uh, his wife Marjorie. Uh, there have been uh, some officials at the foundation who have been named in the search warrants uh, as with questions about their activities, and uh, same with the Lobo Club. I, I am also hearing that the AG is close to wrapping up his investigation. So as far as the public is concerned, what can we expect? I think, this is my speculation, that there's going to be criminal indictments. 
I think that this uh, information could be presented to a grand jury. And I think uh, if you read the search warrants, if you read the evidence that, that is presented in these search warrants and the affidavits, uh, I think that ultimately uh, there are going to be a number of individuals um, who will be who are targets of this investigation, and it, it, it looks like to me that the, that this may go to a grand jury, and there may be criminal indictments, um, and it's uh, not going to be just Scotland. I don't think. I'm speculating. No, your your speculation. But I've, I've yeah. read I've read these these search warrants. I would say to your to your listeners, these are public documents. Um, uh, is uh, I, I think Daniel uh, that you may have actually uh, attached the uh, search warrants uh, on your on your website. Right. The, what, yes, I have I have a, a handful of them. The journal has reported and I think reproduced um, a couple of them as well. Um, there's also, I'm, I'm going to be reporting this in the next week or so, there's also additional document exchanges between the AG's office and UNM that I don't think have yet been um, produced, but basically speak to more or less the same kind of set of facts that they're, they're looking at related to Scotland, the pit suites, the transfer of monies, credit card usage in the athletics department, um, and things of that nature. So we, we began right. we be, we began the conversation uh, with you saying that up until maybe the last year and a half, you haven't done a lot of investigative reporting on UNM over the decades that you've been doing this in New Mexico. Um, I'm curious if your experience of having found so many things to write about and to scoop over the last year and a half, has uh, changed your own perspective going forward. If this is going to, do you find this to be a target-rich environment? Um, you know, even in in the years to come, for however however long you keep doing this. Well, I you know I prior to May of last year, um, I I really had never done stories on the athletic department. I've never done investigations. I um, uh, the folks over there, and, and there are, are quite a few uh, just great, great people over at the athletic department. Um, but I didn't know anybody over there. I don't have sor- I do not have sources at uh, at the athletic department because I had never really been there. I never investigated them. Uh, I've been to football games. I've been to basketball games. But in terms of my professional uh, work, um, this was an unknown for me. And it, even as I started the investigation into Scotland, uh, the golf trip, um, it was a little bit. It was it was more difficult for me because I didn't have sources over there. These are not people I knew uh, from my work, and it was it was a it was a, a brand new area of activity for me. Today, I I have I have done. Uh, uh, Five uh, investigations related to the athletic department. I have on my desk right now another one. Uh, it, it may or may not uh, uh, happen, but we are investigating. We're looking at some things. So this is a whole new area of interest for me. There um, and our viewers, I can tell you, are very, very interested 
and what's going on at, at UNM. And uh, when are these stories going to end? You know, I don't know. I think I think there will be some answers, uh, but they'll have to come from the attorney general's office. Right, that's, and then and I think that's the next that's the next step here. I think. And I think you know the biggest the biggest challenge is is that you know you have new you're sort of rearranging the chessboard here. You have new figures in in sort of all these key positions. You have a new president. You have a new athletic director. You're having changes. You know, David Harris, the longtime executive vice president, is going to be departing uh, within days um, at the end of at the end of 2018. Um, so you have new figures, but you have a lot of the same structural realities to this. You you know, as of right now, you still have a UNM foundation, although it's beginning to lose interest in athletics. Um, you have still the Lobo Club, and you have an effort as I reported, to try to even bring the, the Lobo Club closer um, in, in working relationship with the athletic director while still claiming it to be a distinct uh, nonprofit. And, you, you know, what, what has most materially changed in my experience of just blogging about the Lobos for the last two years is you've had a change in attitude about the community. UNM is not benefiting from a lot of just you know communal doubt or or benefit of the doubt let's say um you know i think even some of its most ardent supporters are fed up with the constant drumbeat of bad news or scandal that's coming out of that department and whereas in the past i think an athletic department you know the, the flagship university's athletic department the hometown team could rely on the fact that the community ultimately just wants to stop hearing about this and is willing to put the blinders on, I don't get the sense anymore about that in, in Albuquerque. I'm not in Albuquerque, but from the people who I, who I talk to regularly in the university, in the athletic department and around it, I get the sense that people are, you know, are just tired of this and that they want justice. They want responsibility and accountability to finally, to finally take place. And that more than anything, more than the new cast of characters at the university, more than any you know alleged changes to their approach, um, you know maybe gives it its best opportunity for reform. Is that there really has been a kind of shift? And I'd be you know to, to sort of to to wind this down. I'd be curious if you, you know, being in the community and, and and being much more in touch with people around the community than I am. If you if you've noticed this shift over the last couple of years as well. You know, I, I absolutely, and I, I from just uh, you know, just being here and and talking to folks and folks calling me and coming up to me in the grocery store and the restaurants and that sort of thing is um, there's a lot of interest in this, but uh, people are frustrated um, and they want to know when is this going to end. You know, it's 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 one scandal after another. So how did this happen? Well, I think I think nobody was looking. Nobody was watching what was going on at the at the uh, at the athletic department, and they got out of control. They were uh, they were widely spending, and nobody was watching how they spent the money. I think with with the Scotland golf trip investigations. I think that was the first clue that, hey, there's something going on at the athletic department. We've got to watch. 
and that that's that's got the ball rolling. There were, uh, you know, it's, it wasn't just us. There was there was yourself, the, the Journal, uh, other TV stations. Everybody started looking at the athletic department. There were multiple investigations, um, and sure enough, there were uh, lots of the improprieties there that that even today we're still hearing about. But it, nobody was watching. There was no accountability at the, at the athletic department, and nobody questioned what they were doing. They do do it today. I, and I think that's, I that's, agree. that's the frustration that people are, are That's right. All right. Well, then you're hearing today. Then if there is any silver lining, oh, I, I suppose Paul, if Paul Krebs hadn't decided to go golfing in Scotland with his friends, um, you know, it, it's, there's a great chance that the community would not have opened its eyes because i agree i mean that is the story that's kind of has been the eye-opener for reporters and the public alike on the the importance going forward to being you know scrutinizing and and aware of how an athletics department operates because left untended and left unsupervised uh this kind of stuff is 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 the stuff that can potentially happen um, Absolutely. This, this is important stuff. This is what uh, New Mexicans need to know is, is how public institutions spend public money. It's accountability. And you, you hear so much today about fake news and about uh, how journalists uh, don't tell the truth and that sort of thing. The, the, if there's a lesson here, it's uh, that... Um, just by shedding light on the institution, that there is public good in it. I think uh, I think the bottom line is that somewhere down the road, this is going to end, and I think uh, UNM is going to clean up its act as it relates to the athletic department. There's going to be accountability, and uh, uh, we're not at the end yet, but I think we're getting close. I, I, I think th- these, this is all... Starting with the Scotland golf trip, I think this is all, it's good news, not bad news. It's good news because we shed light on it. We inform the public about what's going on. And um, uh, ultimately, the mistakes are going to get corrected and there's going to be accountability. Well, Larry, as I will have mentioned in the intro uh, before the podcast, you are you are the uh, you are the cleanup hitter for, for my podcast effort here. I I wanted to I wanted to end this with the right with the right guest um, before the end of the year. I couldn't have thought of a more perfect person um, to to have my final uh, fishbowl conversation with than you. So I, I I greatly appreciate your time. I've admired your work, and I uh, I look forward to reading the uh, the next whatever the next is that you produce on on the beat. You got it. Hey Daniel, thanks so much. All right, you take care. Thank you, sir. And so, there you have it. I would again like to thank my guest, Larry Barker. You can find an accompanying story to this podcast and all my Lobo-related content at nmfishbowl.com. If you would like to send me questions or comments, you can email me at editor at nmfishbowl.com. You can listen to the 10 NM Fishbowl podcasts by downloading them on iTunes. To review, my guests have included Jeff Proctor, Joshua Hunt, Isaac Avalusea, Steve Berkowitz, Jay Billis, Rick Mace, 
Linda Estes, Paul Weir, and now Larry Barker. That will essentially do it for this particular project. As I've indicated in previous episodes, I am planning to launch a nationally focused college sports podcast that takes a similarly critical and I hope discerning look at the subject. I have come up with a non-aquarium theme name for that, which I shall publicize in due course. I intend for it to launch within the next month or two. However, I will still continue in whatever spurt of capacity to nibble at the edges of Loboland with the blog. As followers are probably aware, I now have three ongoing public records lawsuits against UNM or UNM components, and there could soon be more where that came from. I will surely miss the song you hear in the background, which comes from the Freak Fandango's Requiem for a Fish. As always, I appreciate you lending me your ears, and for the final time here, I'm Daniel Libet.